I want you to turn your Bible tonight to Genesis chapter number 39. And I want to read a couple of verses tonight about the life of Joseph. In fact, I want us to go back, if you will, to chapter number 37. I'm going to read several verses, but I got something on my heart that I want to give you tonight. Let me again thank everybody. I appreciate it. Thank you for letting me come. And I've enjoyed myself, and I'm looking forward to what the Lord is going to do with our lives. And I'm excited. And boy, those young people tonight, man, you guys done a great job. And it's easy to criticize our young people when they go astray. But man, I'm glad you're giving them something to try to keep them from going that route. And man, live for God. Live for the Lord. And you're not going to believe this, but I was your age one time, 159 years ago. But live for the Lord, and may God bless you, and the blessings of the Lord be upon you tonight. Let's begin reading in Genesis 37. And let's read verse 5. Genesis 37, verse 5. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. Come down, if you will, in verse number 19, same chapter. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. They were not saying that to compliment him. They were saying that to discourage him. Come now, therefore, in verse number 20, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit, and we'll say, Some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. Look, if you will, in verse number 23, And it came to pass when Joseph was coming to his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. And they took him and cast him into a pit. And the pit was empty. There was no water in it. Look in verse number 28. And there passed by Midianites, merchantmen. And they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit. And sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they brought Joseph into Egypt. If you will, look over in chapter number 39 and verse number 1. Chapter 39 and verse 1, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, where that brought him down thither. Same chapter, come down to verse number 19. And it came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me. And his wrath was kindled. Look in verse number 40. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was there in the prison. One more verse, chapter number 40 of Genesis, and verse number 23. Genesis 40 and verse number 23. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. I, I love the life of the man that we have just read about. Joseph. Joseph, what a man. Joseph, what a life. Joseph, what a legacy that he left. I believe all of us would agree tonight that Joseph was a different man. 
I believe all of us would agree tonight that Joseph was a, a devoted man. I believe all of us would agree tonight that Joseph was a dedicated man. But the thing about Joseph that impresses me is Joseph was a dreaming man. He is a man that dreamed for God. Now let me say this tonight about Joseph's dreams. His dreams were not selfish dreams. They were sovereign dreams. Let me say that again. They were not selfish dreams but they were sovereign dreams. They were dreams that God had given him. Dreams that God was going to bless him and anoint him and exalt him and use him. Dreams that God was going to move and do wonderful things in his life. But before Joseph ever saw one of those dreams come true, there was over 20 long, dark, hard years of difficulty. And I'm glad tonight it's okay to dream. All of us ought to have goals and plans and, and desires, good dreams, dreams for God. I do believe the psalmist said that God would give us the desires of our heart when we set our affection on the Lord. And it's okay to dream. All of us start our life out dreaming and planning. I mean, we dream about turning 16. We dream about getting a driver's license. And for some of us, it wasn't a dream, it was a nightmare. We, we dream about finally getting out of school by the time we draw our Social Security. We, we, we dream about meeting Mrs. Wonderful or Mr. Wright. If you are a girl, you need to dream about meeting Mr. Wonderful. And if you are a boy, you need to dream about meeting Mrs. Awesome. You know what I mean by that. And we dream about meeting the love of our life. And let me just say this to you young fellas. If you're going to get into something, to death do your part. Praise God, boys, make it pretty, make it pretty. Make it worth the investment. And we dream about that. We dream about getting a job. We dream about our occupation. We dream about our life and our family. We dream about our soulmate, the love of our life, growing old together, holding hands down through the sunset of life. We dream about our children growing up and and honoring us by living a life that honors God. All of us have dreams that we like to see, things we'd like to see God do in our life. But you see, in the midst of those dreams, there's this thing called life. And inside of life, there's this thing called reality. And sometimes the reality of life has the ability to take our dreams and turn them into nightmares. From the first time that Joseph dreamed, I mean, after he dreamed, the Bible said his brethren hated him. After he dreamed, the Bible said he was forsaken by his own. After he dreamed, the Bible said he was sold into slavery for the price of silver. After he dreamed, he was falsely accused. He was framed by his foes. 
He was put in prison for something that he didn't do. After he dreamed, he was forgotten by his friends. He was abused by authority. I mean, it was 20 plus long years of one nightmare after another. And you see, in the reality of life, sometimes our dreams become nightmares because in life there is what I call unexplainable, unwanted, and unexpected troubles and trials. You see, in the real world, there's this thing called disappointment. In the real world, there's this thing called depression. In this real world, there's this thing called divorce. There's this thing called disease. There's this thing called disaster. There's this thing called death. And sometimes they have the ability to turn our dreams into nightmares. But I'm glad I have read the rest of the life of Joseph. He does not die in the midst of his nightmare. He doesn't fail God in the midst of his nightmare. God does not forsake him in the midst of his nightmare. I've read the last chapter. I have read the back of the book. And one day Joseph did more than dream. He woke up to a literal, lasting, living reality. I've got a verse tonight I want to quote to the devil just in case he may be somewhere in the state of Texas listening to me. Though weeping may endure for the night, Joy cometh in the morning. And I want to give you some things out of these verses. In the life of Joseph, of what to do when our dreams turn into nightmares. Number one, write this down tonight. When your dream becomes a nightmare, you've got to realize that you are not alone. I enjoyed that so much, can I say that again? When all hell is breaking loose in your life and you're climbing up the rough side of the mountain, realize that you are not alone. There's a phrase mentioned over and over again in the life of Joseph, and it is this. And the Lord was with Joseph. And the Lord was with Joseph. And the Lord was with Joseph. And no matter where you found Joseph, the Bible said, and the Lord was with Joseph. If you find Joseph on the plain, the Lord is with him. If you find Joseph in the pit, the Lord is with him. If you find Joseph at Potiphar's, the Lord is with him. If you find Joseph in the prison, the Lord is with him. Even if you find Joseph in the palace, the Lord was with Joseph. You know what Joseph discovered? He discovered you can't go anywhere where God has not already been. And you can't go anywhere where God is not already at. Can I tell you this tonight? When you can't feel God, when you can't find God, when you can't figure out God, Standing somewhere in the shadows. 
is a God who has your best interest in mind. I saw this the other day and it blessed me. There are two things it says about the presence of God in the life of Joseph. Number one, it says this, and the Lord was with Joseph and made him to prosper. The Lord was with Joseph and made him to prosper. Let me say it like this. He did more than survive. He thrived. He did more than endure to the end. He enjoyed the trip. Joseph did not come through his dilemma less of a man, but more of a man. He didn't come through his dilemma less of a Christian, but he came through his dilemma more of a Christian. He did not come through his dilemma further from God, but he came through his dilemma closer to God. He did not come through his dilemma a bitter man, but he came through his dilemma a better man. You say, how in the world can somebody go through trouble and trial and disappointment and loss and come out on the other side closer to God and a better Christian and a happy Christian because we didn't do it alone. Because before the storm, beneath the storm, and beyond the storm is a God who said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You're not alone tonight in your nightmare. And the Lord was with Joseph and made him to prosper. There's a second phrase. It said, and I may have to run on this one. It said, and the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. And the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. I was riding down the road the other day and I just saw that verse. Man, I got blessed. Now the guy that pulled me over didn't get, in, didn't get as blessed as I did. I tried to show it to him, but he was not spiritually minded. He just kept writing on this piece of paper. And I said, sir, I can't pay that. I'm a poor preacher. He said, I know I've heard you preach before, but you're going to listen to me. Man, get a hold of that. And the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. Can I say tonight, you know the reason why we're still here. The Lord has showed us mercy. God doesn't deal with us on the merits of what we deserve. And I want to stop and say, I'm glad for that. Because if God dealt with Brother Joe on the merit of what I deserved, I promise you I would not be preaching at the Joshua Baptist Church in between Burleson and Joshua, Texas. I wouldn't have a family. I wouldn't have a testimony. I wouldn't have a life. I wouldn't have a ministry. I'd already be lost in hell, climbing the smutty walls of the damned with my back broke, lost without God forever. But hallelujah to the Lamb when justice called, mercy answered, and God's had mercy on me. And may I say with the scripture tonight, it is of the Lord's mercies that were not consumed. And someone said, I don't see how a man can endure the affliction of Joseph. I'll tell you how. The Lord showed him mercy. I don't understand how a man can survive his family turning his back on him. I can 
the Lord showed him mercy. I don't understand how a man can be falsely accused and go to prison for years for something that he didn't do. I can. The Lord showed him mercy. I don't understand how a man can be forgotten by people that he's been good to. How can a man go through disappointment and trouble and trial and fear and loss and anxiety? I don't understand how a person can do that. I can tell you how tonight because when the burdens of life are heavy and the mountains are high and the oceans are deep and the valleys are wide, there is a God who gives us mercy. He gives us mercy. Thank God for his mercy tonight. Realize that you are not alone. I want to make this statement tonight and I don't mean to be sacrilegious but sometimes a country boy just has to say it like he feels it. You'll be surprised where you'll bump into God. I, I am not surprised when I meet God when I go to church. Brother, you ought to meet God when you go to church. Man, the singing starts and the people begin to pray and there's a good warm spirit. Man, if you didn't enjoy that song, that quartet song, I mean, you need some new batteries. As my daddy would say, your batteries has died and rotted. Man, that's a blessing. We ought to feel the presence of God when we go to church. I will say I've been to some churches that I did not feel the presence of God. I was in a church the other day so cold and dead. If you was to take a milk cow and lead her down the aisle, by the time she got to the altar, she'd be giving off ice cream and popsicles. I'm telling you the truth. But I'm not surprised when we feel God at church. We shouldn't be surprised when we get in our prayer closet and we read our Bible and pray and the presence of God floods our soul. I expect to meet God when I go to church. I expect to meet God in my prayer closet. I want to tell you there's been some times I went looking for God. I wasn't expecting God. My mind was not on God. I hadn't prayed like I should. I hadn't read the Bible like I should. You say, oh my, Brother Arthur, what kind of man did our pastor get to preach this revival? A man made out of the same stinking stuff you're made out of. Man, there have been times I hadn't even thought about God. But just because he wanted to, he stepped up and said, I'm here. And it was no doubt that God had come on the scene. I'm glad God knows where the hospital's at. I'm glad God knows where the funeral home is at. I'm glad God knows where the courthouse is. I'm glad that God knows where the graveyard is. I'm glad God knows the weeping places. I'm glad he knows the valley. I'm glad he knows the burden. God will never fail you. God will never desert you. God will never leave you. He is a friend that seeketh closer than the brother. It may be hard. It may be difficulty. But standing somewhere in the shadows is a God that said, I will never leave thee. I will never forsake thee. Realize tonight, you're not alone in the midst of of your nightmare. Several years ago, one Monday morning, before I left, I took Mrs. Arthur to the dentist. I waited till she left to use this illustration. I had to take Mrs. Arthur to the dentist. You say, doesn't that get expensive? Yes, it can. 
but it's better than the alternative. Can I get a witness right there? And so I was sitting there in the dentist's office and I was listening to the drills and the hammers and all of the construction projects going on in the back. And by the way, let me tell you parents something. The reason why your boy cries at the dentist's office, he can hear the jackhammer. He can hear the drill. He can hear the heavy construction. He knows his jaws is next. And so I was sitting there reading a magazine. And I was reading a man's magazine. I was reading a real man's magazine. I was reading Field and Stream. Yes, yes. Why in the world would a decent human being want to go bowling or play tennis when you can shoot something or catch something? I felt something right there. I was reading Field and Stream. And I was reading about a Navajo Indian having an interview with a forest agent, a wildlife agent. And this Navajo Indian was speaking to this uh, uh, wildlife agent. And he made this statement about the beautiful country of the state of Montana. He said, beauty is above me. He said, beauty is beneath me. He said, beauty is before me. Beauty is behind me. He said, beauty is all around me. Boy, about that time God come to that dentist's office, he crawled up in my lap and said, Joe Arthur, what that Indian said about beauty, you can say about me. God above me. God beneath me. God before me, God behind me, God all around me. And then he come back for a second go around. He said, and son, not only can you say that about me, you can say something about me that the Indian could not say about beauty. It's not only God above me, God beneath me, God before me, God behind me, God around me, but because of Calvary and the cross and the Holy Ghost, it's God in me, Christ in me. I'm glad tonight that standing somewhere in the shadows of your nightmare, your disappointment, your heartache, your trouble, I'm glad there is a God that will not fail you. He will not forsake you. He will not forsake get you. Realize tonight you're not alone and the Lord was with Joseph. I know what people mean when they say this but I, and I've said it but it's wrong. How you doing? Pray for me preacher. I'm in a God forsaken place. This God forsaken place I live. This God forsaken place I work. This God forsaken place I know. If you're saved tonight You'll never be in a God-forsaken place because if you're there, God's there and that's good enough for all of us tonight. Realize you are not alone. And the Lord was with Joseph. Number two, write this down tonight. When your dream turns into a nightmare, remember, keep on doing right. Keep on doing right. You know what impresses me about Joseph? What impresses me about Joseph is not only what Joseph did, but what impresses me about Joseph is what Joseph did not do. You say, what did he did not do? 
He never got angry. He never got bitter. And he never acted in revenge. Now I'm not telling you I've never done that. I believe one thing that helped Joseph, he wasn't married long and didn't have a mother-in-law. Can I get an amen right there? But boy, anybody that can go through what Joseph went through and not be angry and not be bitter and not be revengeful, brother, he has the qualities of a good man. And by the way tonight, when the world gets crazy and the world turns against us and everything is going wrong in our life, listen, that is not God's approval for you and I to take a stupid pill and start acting crazy. Hello. Do right in the midst of your nightmare. Well, they right now, they've done me wrong. I'm going to do them wrong. You're not going to enjoy it. Oh, preacher, I'm going to really enjoy getting even with them. No, you're going to feel worse. Well, bless God, if they were saved, they, sh they wouldn't have done that. Well, has it ever dawned on you? They just may not be saved, but you are. Well, I need right now, preacher, if they had a conscience, they wouldn't have done that to me. Has it ever dawned on you? They just may not have one, but you do. Oh, if they knew the Holy Ghost, they wouldn't do that. Has it ever dawned on you? They just may not know the Holy Ghost, but you do. And so when you respond to them and you react to them and you're evil to them and that old bitter root of bitterness springs in your heart and steals your happy and steals your peace and steals your joy, you're not going to feel good about it. Every one of us tonight need to make a decision by the help of God and tell the world and the flesh and the devil, hey, you can't have my happy. Because when things go wrong, that is not our approval to go act crazy and live like a fool. Well, bless God, my wife's running around on me and I'm going to run around on her. That's really going to help your kids. Well, so-and-so stole from me and I'm going to go steal back from them. That's not going to help the situation. Joseph never prayed for God to destroy his brethren. You never see Joseph down into prison. Kill him, God. Kill him, God. Strike him dead, God. This man in our church went through a storm and I'd never seen such a bitter man in all my life. He came to my office in a rage. He grabbed me. He said, I want to tell you my wife and the people that's doing me wrong, they better thank God that I'm not God. I'd kill every one of them. I said, sir, I'm glad you're not God. They're glad you're not God. And deep down in your heart, you're glad that you're not God. I'm telling you the greatest day in all of our lives is when we, play, when we, we quit playing God in somebody's life. God's able to fight the battle. God's able to carry the burden. God's able to do what we cannot do. You just keep on doing right. Joseph winds up a slave, but you know what I like about him? All right, if I got to be a slave, I'll be the chief butler. Amen. I like this about Joseph. Okay, if I go to go to prison, that's fine. I'm going to get out on good behavior. Amen. He's down at Potiphar's house. Man, old Potiphar, he, 
His wife must have really been off the chain. Because man, she starts tempting Joseph and enticing Joseph. And, and evidently, evidently Joseph was a real hunk. Like some of us that used to be a hunk. And now we're a chunk. <laughs> Three women just raised their hand. I see you, honey. Pointing to their husbands. Joseph evidently was a real good looking man. And she tempted Joseph. She wanted to commit adultery with Joseph. She enticed Joseph. Not once, not twice, but every day. And one day she caught him alone in the house. And she grabbed him by the coat. And, and one more time she tried her best to defile the character of Joseph. And finally Joseph says, ma'am, I cannot do that. I cannot sin against my master. I cannot sin against my God. And she grabbed his coat and he ran. But let me say this about Joseph. He may have lost his coat, but he kept his character and he kept his testimony. And I'm telling you, keep on doing right because it's always right to do right. And when things go wrong in our life, that is not God's permission for you and I to start acting ugly and do wrong because it's never right to do wrong and it's always right to do right. So keep on doing right. I got real sick one time and I mean real sick and had to go to the hospital. I, I heard the other day there are people that are really not sick. They just like being in the hospital. If you ain't sick and you like being in the hospital, you're sick. I didn't like it at all. Number one, it's the coldest place I've ever been in my life. If what you got don't kill you, you're liable to catch double pneumonia in that place. Because that thing they give you to wear, Christians ain't supposed to dress like that. Uh, you know, Brother Andrew, all in medical terms, I don't know where they get them all from, but I don't know where they get that I see you from. You put one of them gowns on and turn around, somebody's going to go, I see you. And they don't care if you're a pastor Arthur from the Harvest Tabernacle International. They'll put one of them things on you, put you in a wheelchair, roll you out front like a Walmart greeter, and there you sit, trying to cover up. Some old boy come by me and he was trying to cover up. And I said, sir, I'm sorry. He said, me too. I just come to check the air conditioning. He wasn't even a patient. He wasn't even supposed to be in there. I'll tell you what I hate about it the most. Somebody went and told the devil what room I was in. And every night when my family would leave, he'd go to hell and get him some reinforcements. Come up there and pay me a visit. And prance around my bed and say, shout now. Help somebody now. Preach an encouraging sermon now. I stop you here. Several years ago, we had a thing at the church and several people just didn't like what I was doing. And they left the church and did everything they could to destroy my name and family and you know how that goes sometimes. Well, they heard I was in a hospital. They found out what hospital I was in. And they found out what room I was in. 
And they felt led of the Spirit to come and pay me a visit and stare at me while I vomited. And I'm laying there and I'm thinking, you better be glad I'm sick. Or I take this bedpan and knock you upside the head with it. You said, no, Brother Arthur, I've never had thoughts like that. You had them on your way to church tonight and your husband driving you to church. <laughs> boy, just lay in that bed. Boy, here comes that devil. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about you. They've done you wrong. They're healthy. You're the one that's sick. Ah, boy, they're sitting there laughing at you, watching you. You said, why do you think they came? I think they thought I was going to die. And I think they wanted to try to get right with me before I died. But so far, I've outlived them. But I'm telling you, bitterness and anger swells up in all of us. And we have to realize vengeance is not ours. And revenge is not ours. If you believe tonight that God is big enough to save you. And God is big enough to keep you. And God is big enough to provide for you. Then God is big enough to defend you and fight your battles and help you. Do right. Do right. Just keep on doing right. The other day we had a family, a whole family, a whole family come down to the front and get, said they got saved and joined. I mean, a whole family. I've never, I've never seen such shouting and praising God, hugging people. I mean, they hug people they never even met before. They shouted all the way back to their seat. They shouted all the way out in the foyer. They shouted through the parking lot. They shouted all the way to their car. I guess they shouted all the way home. They got so much God that morning, they ain't been back. <laughs> Brother Andrew, you just don't realize how awesome your dad and you and Brother Bobby and some of us preachers are. We're so good. We can preach to some people one time a lifetime, and that's all they need. <laughs> You'll get that in a minute. Well, after months and months, finally, I, I said, man, we, we got to see what's going on here. They would never answer anybody's call. Finally, they answered mine. And she said, hello. I said, hi, this is Brother Joe. Who? I said, the preacher from the church where y'all shouted all over the place the other day. Oh, yeah. I said, we've been missing you. She said, pray for us. We're out of church. And before I thought, I said, it didn't take long. I said, what's wrong? She said, you don't understand. Don't ever tell a pastor of an independent, fundamental, premillennial Baptist church, he don't understand. He wrote that book on don't understand. She said, you don't understand. I've got issues. We got troubles. We got stuff. I said, ma'am, you got stuff, I got stuff, all of God's children got stuff. She said, well, we don't want to bring our stuff down there to that church and mess up them good people. I said, we don't have none of them that come to our church. Everybody comes to our church is jacked up. Can I get an amen? I'm going to change the name of our church to Jacked Up Independent Baptist Church. 
By the way, the church is not for perfect people. The church is not for people without any trouble. It's a hospital. It's an operation room. It's a place where all of us come and lay our burdens at the feet of Jesus and get something in our soul. Man, when problems come, don't lay out a church. Don't wall around a pool of futility and bitterness. Hold a God's unchanging hand. And keep on doing right. Because staying at home is not going to help anything. Just like staying away from the table is not going to help you get fat. You know why people get fat? They go to the table. You know why most skinny people are mean? They're hungry. <laughs> Righteous shall be made fat. That's in the Bible somewhere. <laughs> Staying away from the table is not going to help you. You don't go to the doctor when you feel good. You go when you get sick. You don't call the lawyer when you don't have any problems. You call him when you got problems. You don't call the mechanic and say, check out my car. No, he'll find something. You take it when it won't work right. And brother, we go to church when the storm rages. We go to church when the mountain is high. We go to church when hell's are coming and death is coming and slewfoot's climbing in the back window. That's when we go to church because there's a place, hey man, where I can lay down my trouble and lay down my trial and lay down my burden. Hey, in the midst of your nightmare, remember, do right, do right, do right. God, I bless you if you do right, you're not alone. Do right. Number three, I love this. Write this down. In the midst of your nightmare, realize you're not alone. Remember to do right. Number three, you rest in the providence of Almighty God. You rest in the fact that you're not in control and they're not in control. And the devil's not in control. God has a plan. And not some things, not a few things, not just good things, but all things work together for good to them that love God. How many of you are here tonight, and you agree with me, you love chocolate cake? Oh, you're like me. You just like cake. You're like me. You, Lord of God, you just like food. Amen. Oh, I was reading the other day about that man in the wilderness, and nobody knows what it is. But I think the Lord showed me something. It says it's round, and it's a bread-type substance, and it's sweet to the taste, and it's got a kind of a shiny coat on it, and Man, that's a Krispy Kreme. That's exactly what that is. That's a Krispy Kreme. I mean, that's a Krispy Kreme with the light on hot now. Man, my wife's been on this diet. We've been trying to stay away from her, so finally we made this agreement. We won't stop unless the light's on. Well, that didn't work, so we said we're not going to stop when the light's on unless there's a place to park right in the front door. And so we came the other day and the light was on. And after we circled the thing 12 times, we found a place to park in the front door. 
Man, I like chocolate cake. I like cake and pies. I like it all. In fact, right now I'm tasting a Texas Whataburger. But I'll tell you what I don't like. I don't like raw eggs. I'll tell you what I don't like. I don't like raw flour. Excuse me, flour. I did something else I don't like. I don't like lard. I don't like to eat raw butter. I don't go to the cabinet, take a can of Hershey's chocolate, and just drink it. No. I don't like any of that by itself. It's nauseating. It's repulsive. It's sickening. But when the master shift, I got a feeling I'm going to get toe up again. <laughs> when the master shelf puts it all together, hey, 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 he's not making you sick. He's not trying to kill you. He's making some chocolate cake. He doeth all things well. You rest in the providence of God. We'll go to that day, and there's old Joseph. He's down there in that prison. And somebody comes and says, hey, Pharaoh is dreamed a dream. And Pharaoh doesn't know what that dream is. And he's heard about you. You need to go up there and see him. And I see that little man as he stands before that big king. And Pharaoh says, hey, do you interpret dreams? He said, no, but God does. He said, tell me your dream, sir. And he told him his dream. He said, man, that's simple. He said, you're going to have seven of the most wonderful years of your life. Pharaoh begins to smile. He said, wait a minute, don't smile just yet. That's going to be followed with seven of the worst years you've ever had. In fact, it's going to be so bad that starvation is going to come from a sore famine. Seven years. Pharaoh had that look on his face, and Joseph said, Sir, you know what you need to do? You need to find you a man that's got God in him and that's got the wisdom of God and come up with a plan. Save in the good years so you don't starve to death in the bad years. That sounds pretty good to me. And Pharaoh said, where can I find such a man like that in all of my kingdom? I don't believe Joseph said a word, but I believe he stood there and grinned from ear to ear. You can't get mad at that. My wife gets on my case, I just... You know what it does? Nothing. <laughs> oh, Joseph just stands there and grin. And I'm to believe the Bible's right when it says the heart of the king is in the hand of God. And about that time, old Pharaoh said, Yeah, you're the man. You're the man. And brother, I saw this the other day, and I'm going to ask you Bible scholars to help me with it. When Pharaoh said to Joseph, You're the man. And Pharaoh put that chain on his neck and that crown on his head and that ring on his finger. The Bible said, and Joseph remembered his dream. Let me ask you this. Could it be 
that the day was so hard and the night was so long and the valley was so deep. Could it be that Joseph himself had forgotten the dream? I don't know. I do know this. If you remember something, you must have forgot it. I don't know if he forgot it or not, but I do know this. God didn't forget about it. And may I say this tonight, the words you got from God and the promise you got from God and the declaration you got from God, God has not forgotten. And one day the sovereign God of heaven, a mass recall, and Joseph remembered his dream. And he sits on that throne beside a Pharaoh. Brother Andrew, one day the door opens up and there stands his brethren. And the Bible said that they didn't know Joseph. But honey, the Bible said that Joseph knew them. And I just say this tonight, I'm sure the devil will make sure we don't forget the faces of those people who make our lives miserable. I'm thinking of a few right now. I would just love to roll her yard in the name of Jesus. You go to bed at night and you see them. You get up and try to eat your breakfast and they're floating around in your post hostess. Their face, their smell, their dirty deed is impressed and impregnated in your mind and in your soul and in your conscience. And if you're not careful, it'll sour you on life and even sour you on God. And Joseph, they didn't know him, but Joseph knew them. And to make a long story short, Joseph toys with them boys like a cat with a mouse in a barnyard. And you know what he's doing. He's bringing those boys to the end of themselves and bringing those boys to a place of confession. And finally the Bible said, and when Joseph could not refrain himself any longer, he said, come here guys, come here guys, come here boys. And boys drew near Joseph, said, look into my eyes, look at my face, read my lips. Joseph said, I am Joseph. Son, when he said that, the fear of God gripped those boys. They began to cry. They began to weep. They fell at his feet and started begging for mercy. And one of them said, oh my, you're going to kill us. You're going to kill us. And we don't blame you if you do. But Joseph said, Am I in the place of God? It's not my place to judge you. It's not my place to kill you. And this is what he said to them boys. He said, hey, what you did, you meant it for evil. But God, but God meant it for good. He said, and let me, t- and let me tell you why God did it this way. I'm about to enjoy my own preaching right there. Let me tell you why God did it this way. Joseph said, God did it this way, like he does it this way. Every time he does it this way, God did it this way. Just save much people alive. He had humanity's best interest in mind. He knew the famine would come. He knew the storm would come. He saw this day coming and God put everybody in place. He had it all in place. He's the master chef. He's the great physician. He's the chief cornerstone. He's not lost. He's not ignorant. He's not confused. He's not late. He's not lagged behind. He's running on time and he's got a plan and he's got a purpose. You just can't. Ain't big God. Woo! 
You meant it for evil. But God meant it for good. And God did it to save much people alive. Hurt you? Kill you? Judge you? No! I'm going to be good to you. And I'm going to be good to your little ones. Because my life has been in God's hands. I'm telling you tonight, you can rest in the providence of God who doeth all things well. I read the other day where this lady was keeping her grandchild. Boy, there's nothing like grandkids. I found that out two months ago. You know what I love about it so much? I thought as long as it was taking my children, I was going to be in diapers the same time the baby was. <laughs> my grandchild is different. She's already she's only two months old. She's already singing in the choir, playing the piano, and teaching Sunday school. She is awesome. <laughs> but she was keeping that little grandson. And I, I can't never get this word right, but you ladies help me out. It's a piece of cloth stretched over a piece of wood and you got a needle and some colored thread and Bobby, you know the name of that. I've seen you do it a little bit. But man, they're making birds and flowers and trees and scenes. How, what, do you, what do you call it? Yeah, yeah, that's what I call it. And that's what she was doing. And Dr. Wolfenbacher, the little boy, looked up and said, Grandma, what are you doing? She said, I'm making a little bird in the tree. He looked up and said, Grandma, I don't see no bird in the tree. All I see is a knot over here and a knot over here and a knot over here and a bunch of strings. It looks like a mess. It don't look like a bird in the tree. My grandma said, come up here from where I'm looking. Sit in my lap. Now look back at it. Look at it from this angle. And he went, oh, Mama. I see the tree. I see the bird. It's so beautiful. He said, what has that got to do with Joseph? He's in that old pit and he looks up and all he sees is a knot and a string. He looks up from Potiphar's and all he sees is a knot and a string. He looks up from prison and all he sees is a knot and a string. But one day he changes elevation and he doesn't look from the bottom side up, but he looks from the top side down. And how the view changes from the top side view. And one day you know what's going to happen. Jesus is coming and we're going to change geographical spots. And it looks different from the top side instead of the bottom side. Trust him tonight. He will not fail you. He will not forsake you. He will not forget you. And one day you'll wake up from your nightmare and it won't even be your dream. It'll be your reality because the Lord knows the way through the wilderness. Don't run from God. Don't resist God. Don't push him away. Run to him. 
He'll comfort you till the morning comes.